What happens when your business model aligns company incentives with customer incentives? Well, the online code school Thinkful did just that and are reaping the rewards. We'll get the details on how they did it coming up next. This is Design Driven, the podcast about using design thinking to build great products and lasting companies. Whether you're running a startup or trying something new inside a Fortune 1000, the tools, methods, and insights we talk about will help you create things people love. And now, your host, Jay Cornelius. Hey, everybody. Jay from Nine Labs here coming to you from Atlanta. We're here with Jazz from Thinkful. Excited to have him on the show today. Hey, Jazz, how are you doing? Hi, how are you? We're fantastic. Um, so what's happening at Thinkful? Tell people what Thinkful is and, and what you're doing there. What are you excited about? Sure. Um, so we're pretty pumped about, um, so we're new to Atlanta, but we have students from uh, across the country. Uh, basically, what we're doing is we're uh, a new kind of vocational education company. We're looking to close skill gaps uh, wherever and whenever we see them occur. And I think what makes us really special and unique is that um, we're completely built around uh, a one-on-one mentorship model. So students who come and work with Thinkful through our programs, um, they have an individual mentor. Um, and you know the research has shown that people are uh, people advance more quickly through material and they retain more when they have a one-on-one mentor. Um, but it also enables a lot more exciting things that I think are pretty revolutionary in vocational education. It allows us to lower costs, improve access, both you know, in terms of the cost of programs, also in terms of you know, who we can reach in terms of geographies. Um, and I think the most exciting part of, of, of our model is that um, we align our incentives with our students. So we have a tuition guarantee for our web development program. So if people don't get a job, uh, within six months of graduating, uh, they get their money back. So basically, we lose oh, money wow. um, every time uh, a student doesn't get a job, which is, is I think, a good thing. Um, so everything about the structure of our company is is about um, increasing job placement. And the more people we place, the more money we make. And right now, uh, we have a 93% job placement rate. Um, and we are one of only a few of uh, sort of vocational schools that have our jo- all our job and outcome data um, audited by a third party. So it's something that we're really proud of, and we we hope and we feel like uh, this might be the future of, of, of vocational education generally. Yeah, that, that's interesting that you've set up the model to really keep the company incentivized to make sure that your people get jobs afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you think of the traditional school from, from you know, college onwards, um, I mean, the school makes money when they get you to enroll, um, and then the student is going through that experience of an education, which is already a pretty difficult experience. You're learning something new. It's challenging. It's frustrating. But then you have this weight on you of, you know, am I going to actually get something, a job afterwards? Is this actually going to improve my condition? And, you know, we've seen a lot of news stories about escalating student debt and um, people who have, you know, $200,000 of, of loans and maybe found a $35,000 a year job and the, just yeah. the math doesn't work. Yeah, um, a big we're trying to We're trying to flip that. Um, and I think that our model is a, is a big part of that. So, um, Right now, we have a web development um, program and a data science program. But like I said, our objective is to go and um, find those skill gaps that exist that are also accelerating with sort of advances in technology and um, build programs through a one-on-one mentorship model that close those gaps systematically. Yeah, that's cool. So it sounds like, I mean, we talk a lot about human-centered design on this show, and it sounds like your business model from the outset is putting 
human-centered design, like right in the center of it, right? So you're 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 focused Absolutely. really on the outcome of your customer. Absolutely, and, and I think. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just saying you're capturing, obviously capturing some value for the business along the way. So, you know, how did, how's that working out? It's uh, it's going really, really well. Um, so, I've, I mean, you can imagine um, students um, when they hear something like a tuition guarantee, um, um, you know, kind of take a double take. It's, it's something they haven't heard before, and it's it's definitely uh, compelling and and changes the game when it comes to um, getting students to enroll. Um, uh, so. From that perspective, it's going really well. We started in Atlanta only a couple months ago. Uh, we already have about 40 students. We have 20 mentors who are local at companies like Delta and Home Depot um, and, uh, and Hearst Auto um, who are working with our students. And so we're starting to see a community here in Atlanta. And, um, and you know, I think over 7,000 students have graduated nationally. So uh, it's, it's, it's wow. no small company. Um, but um, we're definitely looking to have more of a local presence um, in a lot of our markets and uh, add more of an in-person component to it. And Atlanta is kind of ground zero for some of those experiments. Yeah, cool. So um, as you think about like what what segments to go into and help, te- help people learn, um, where are you getting that research? How are you finding those gaps? So I think that, um, you know, Obviously, the, the the first area is we just look at you know where the shortages are, where employers are trying to hire people and aren't aren't able to find them um, for whatever reason. Um, I think there's also some kind of seismic shifts happening um, at the macro level. Um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have heard the phrase "software is eating the world" and um, and sort of the massive shift that's happening um, with sort of how you know software is replacing so much of of, of business processes. Um, so um, that is creating a lot of shifts. One of those is, you know, obviously a demand for technical roles um, in web development, but, you know, you have things like big data that are coming down the pike um, and other types of roles like coding plus roles, like coding plus um, marketing or coding plus business development that are coming down the pike. And we're, um, we're pretty excited about some of those things. And we think that um, a lot of the existing infrastructure around education has failed to prepare students for for these types of roles, and they're changing so rapidly. Um, so a lot of these other companies uh, or a lot of these other institutions can't, can't uh, be responsive to those needs, and, and, and we can. So we try to take a broad view of where we see the shortages are and where we see the kind of macro environment in terms of um, demand and, and try to kind of make bets around where we think the market dynamics are going to work out for a model like ours. Yeah, right. So it, we go through this step process where you basically you, you validate that there's a problem that exists, and you've done that. And then you have to validate your solution as well. And it sounds like you've done that. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, like, you can get employment trends from a lot of different places. So are you also going into companies and, and asking them specific questions about where the gaps are and what skills they need to fill? Um, partly. So so one of the kind of the subtle features of our model that, that I think um, is actually pretty, pretty important is that um, because we have a one-on-one mentor program, that means we have hundreds of mentors. And these mentors are not instructors full-time. Um, they're actually working their day jobs in the field, in industry. Um, and so in a lot of cases, they are our feedback loop for you know, what the trends are in the industry. They're on the, they're on the front lines yeah, you know, right. in, in many cases. So they tell us not just you know, where the opportunities are um, for you know, what their teams are hiring for, what their companies are hiring for, but they also help us help us um, kind of update the curriculum in sort of a, on almost a daily and weekly way um, to make sure that we're teaching people 
um, the things that that companies actually need. Um, you have this old model of education where you know it takes like five years to get the curriculum approved, and then it, by the time it you know people students are graduating from it, it's completely outdated. The company has to hire these people and teach them everything uh, new, anyways. Well, with our model, uh, because we have you know our teachers are the people who are in the field, um, uh, we kind of flip that on its head as well. Yeah, cool. So, uh, what kind of um, tracking or what kind of tools are you using to you know, like validate that you are a uh, approaching things the right way or, or answering the right needs and solving the right problems? Um, so in terms of tools, do you mean kind of software tools or? Um, well, I mean, it could be exercises or, I mean, software tools, sure. But I'm thinking yeah. like, you know, you, everyone is pretty familiar with the business model canvas at this point. So I'm sure yep. you're using something like that. Are you also using like empathy mapping or the value proposition canvas or any of those kind of tools to kind of codify what problem it is you're going to solve and how you're going to solve it? Um, honestly, uh, no, we, we aren't using those tools. I mean, I think there's a general, general philosophy at the company of rapid experimentation, um, and, you know, lean, lean startup approaches where, um, where we have a set of hypotheses and we, you know, develop an experiment, uh, to test them and iterate that experiment forward. So, you know, for example, you know, I'm kind of working on uh, local markets and trying to build a playbook for our local markets and developing an in-person experience. And so we have some key metrics that we care about around, um, you know, not just student recruitment, but also student retention and completion and obviously job placement. Um, and so um, we prioritize those priorities. Uh, we prioritize those, those, uh, those goals. And then, um, you know, we try to run as many experiments per week as possible um, and be very open and honest with each other about are those things working and are they not and, and iterating as fast as possible. So I don't know if that falls into a, a particular framework, um, but um, we're all particularly pretty inspired by the lean startup method and we try to incorporate that as much as possible. Yeah, sure. And that's a great way or a great kind of overall methodology to follow. And there's a lot of different ways that you can approach that. We use a, a tool called an experiment grid, which kind of came out of a similar approach. And it sounds like you're doing something very similar. You've got a hypothesis and you, you test it. And if it works, you measure that. And uh, if it doesn't work, you measure that and you help every, um, every one of those tests informs the decisions for the next round. Yeah, I think and I think that's right. And I and I think, you know, in our case we have some challenges with with the traditional view um just because of the nature of our business. So, um, you know, we often talk about the problem of small numbers, <laughs> you know, because our students are in the tens and the twenties and the fifties and the hundreds, um, and not, you know, we don't have users in the thousands and ten thousands. Sometimes it's it's actually pretty challenging to run, you know, really refined um measurements around some of these experiments. So um, it, it, it's, it's difficult because we have to use a combination. We have to use that approach, but we have to use a combination of um, our own gut as well. And that obviously leads to some systematic errors. So um, it, it's kind of a challenging situation when, when we don't have the types of numbers in this, type of, in this kind of business to be able to run all the types of experiments I was able to run, say, at, at, at previous kind of uh, uh, companies. Yeah, because you're not building a software product necessarily, so you can't get really in-depth usage analytics or anything like that. You've got to look at it from a, a much longer time horizon, I would, I would assume. Exactly, yeah. And so because the time horizon is so much longer, um, you know, we, we don't want to slow, the, slow our, the, the volume of our experiments per week because our time horizon is lower because we're not going to be able to kind of move fast enough. So we have to, in terms of the measurement piece of it, we have to kind of, you know... Um, 
have some gut check on top of the data, which again, uh, can be problematic. So, um, you know, usually when something is working within a couple of weeks, it's pretty clear that, that it's working, but there's a lot of things that are kind of, kind of working. We don't know if they're exactly working well enough to justify additional investment. And so those are challenging, um, parts of just sort of running our particular type of business. Yeah, sure. So when you onboard a new student to the time that you place them in a position, like what's the typical time frame for that? Sure. So, um, so the program, our web development uh, program and our data science program, both of which are, are flexible programs, so people don't have to quit their jobs uh, to do them, they, we require people work 20 hours a week. So the recommended graduation time is about six months um, from, from beginning to end. Um, we have students who complete it as fast as four months, um, but our, our goal is six months. And so 40% um, of our students uh, actually have a job by graduation. So um, this is in kind of our jobs report, our audited stats. So 40% of people have a job uh, by the time the six months are over. And then six months from that point in time, it's about 92, 93% have a job. Um, so within a year, um, 93, 92, 93% of people have a job um, uh, in, in, in some sort of development role. I see. So you've got kind of two separate things going on there. You've got the, the six months that it takes to actually perform the education, and then you actually keep those people engaged for an additional six months on the job hunt side. Exactly. So one of the reasons we can, we can, we can, um, have such, I think, strong job placement numbers is because, uh, we have career counselors who are actually pretty, um, we have, I think, five or six students per career counselor. So after a student graduates, they basically get matched with a career counselor who's meeting them like they would meet with their, with their educational mentor, who's making introductions, who's um, working with recruiters to get feedback for them, um, who's helping them you know, craft their story and iterate on their story. Um, and so um, that's a big part of the program as well for the people who didn't get a job um, by the time that they graduated. But that mm -hmm. process honestly starts within month, uh, after month one of our program. We're preparing people with technical interviews. We're trying to get a sense of what they're looking for. We have our own kind of view on sort of how people should look for jobs. And we have a thesis on that. And we kind of educate people in terms of our process um, and our playbook. Um, and so that's a part of not just the, the post-graduation experience, but the, you know, after month one of being in the program, I, I really feel like the way we think about Thinkful is as much a career transition program as it is an educational company. Because ultimately, yeah, you know, sense. when people are making a decision to go to a school, um, a vocational school specifically, um, you know, they're doing it to get a job. Everything revolves around um, how is it going to improve their lives from a financial perspective and from a, you know, and from a, and from a work-life perspective and from, you know, an enjoyment of their work perspective. So um, we really have to be super focused on that um, for people to be happy with, with the experience with Thinkful. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, it's interesting to hear how the business model is, is really kind of centered around um, those, the student achieving their goal. And, and if you don't help them do that, then essentially you know, there's no money in the business for you, right? Exactly. And I think there's some subtle ways as well where that system you know, improves, makes the incentives good for the students. So for example, you know, if, if I make money as a school, when somebody comes and enrolls, I might have, and, and say, you know, um, a lot of third parties are evaluating the quality of my education based on how many people finish. I have a lot of incentives to make, you know, the program not as rigorous, right? Cause I might want to get as many people through that program as possible. 
we right. don't have that. We don't have that incentive because we're on the line. <laughs> you know, when people uh, graduate um, for getting them a job, we have to work every day in terms of improving our program to make sure that um, our standards are super high. Um, that what when someone graduates from Thinkful, um, they are absolutely job ready um, to do to be a junior developer. Like, uh, and 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 obviously that bar changes as you know, competition increases as technologies change. So, um, you know, every day, every week we are, um, improving that. And that's an incentive that we have only because we have this model. Right. So how, since Thinkful has been founded, I'm not sure how long ago that was, but since Thinkful was founded, how has the business model evolved as a result of, of you running these experiments? And what do you, what do you think has been maybe one of the the biggest insights from running these experiments and, and how that's changed the way that you run the business? Um, so I think in general, um, the, the directions that thankful, the direction of thankful has taken has been from uh, being less vocational to more vocational understanding that, um, uh, initially, you know, we were, we offered one-on-one mentorship modules for people to upskill in particular areas without kind of a view towards transitioning them into jobs uh, then we built up full programs for vocational uh, education. Uh, then we, you know, uh, realized that access was a problem, and to improve access, um, you know, we needed to um, we needed to find ways of aligning incentives better. Um, and uh, and then finally, you know, we've made a big push in the last uh, year towards being more on the ground um, with people um, and having more in-person aspects to our experience uh, as a student. And, um, and we've realized that, you know, you know, while we started out as this company that was pr- primarily online, um, that for these types of experiences and investments, um, it's really, really valuable to have an in-person component. Um, you need that kind of in-person support. Um, you need people to be able to, like, see you and touch you and feel you and make sure you're real and not just some ad on Facebook. And so right. um, that has been another kind of iteration on the model that has, I think, been pretty transformative in terms of how we see ourselves and how we see our value to our to our to our students. Right. And did, did you just learn that from interviewing students or interviewing the mentors themselves, or like how did you come to that realization? Um, I think you know. So I think students always sort of asked, not always, but you know, there's always some segment of students who asked us, you know, is there something in person? Is there something um, in you know like that we that that is there some in person component? Like that was like a question that people had um, as kind of a clarifying. Uh, question they might have. And so there was always an indication, you know, what's going on there. Obviously, there were kind of other coding boot camps or other coding programs that were prim- completely in person. So we knew there was a model there that that was something that people wanted, and in many cases, more expensive than us. And so, um, you know, we tried some experiments. And in doing those experiments, um, primarily with our own students, um, we got just extraordinary feedback. Um, and, you know, when we went to our in-person kind of dinner sessions and events, we saw things happening organically that were really profound, you know, people supporting each other, helping each other, getting inspired by each other, um, people kind of engaging about their journey, their curriculum, the curriculum, you know, where they've come from and sort of their, their aspirations for where they want to go next. And, uh, and the diversity of people in that room, I mean, it was pretty extraordinary to see some of that happening. I think that also excited us. I think, um, you know, talking to mentors, uh, or having men, having students tell us that having a mentor who's in their location is really um, a big part of what excited them about uh, Thinkful as well also made made a big difference. It just makes the experience feel more tangible, I think, to students. Um, and I think that 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 helps a lot. 
Yeah, and that's actually a pretty substantial change, I would think, because most of what you're doing is delivered online. And so learning that the kind of the face-to-face piece is an important component of it had to change the way that you run the business in some way. Oh, definitely. I think it's still changing the way. I think it's still early days on that side, honestly. Um, I think it's um, one of the most exciting things uh, that we're that we're working on. And I think that, um, you know, we kind of have this new um, position from which we're trying a bunch of experiments on this vector, um, which is sort of how can we kind of take out the in-person experiences of this physical, of, of sort of a traditional education, how we can pull those out and add those to kind of a traditional, an online experience um, so people can get the best of both worlds. Um, so, you know, there's a fine line there because obviously like, you know, a big part of what makes Thinkful work is our cost structure. Um, but um, but at the same time, um, you know, there's a lot of business value in having support and in-person, um, you know, networks that are being yeah, built. Um, there's a lot of value there. So, you know, there's value that's being created that we just haven't fully tapped yet as well. So I think that's another part of the, um, these sort of experiments that we want to do is how do we tap some of that value, the networks that are being built locally, um, and, uh, and, and some of that stuff, you know, the fact that we have, you know, 20 local mentors at some of these really great companies, like how do we tap those networks to help our students? Um, and you know, to what extent does having the support, uh, improve the, the number of students who complete, uh, their, their, their program and, uh, you know, what ways can alumni, uh, help uh, who are local, who come to these events, you know, uh, network with students and help place them as well. So there's a lot of untapped value there. We're just sort of scratching the surface of right now, in my view. Yeah. So are you doing those experiments on a student by student basis or by location or by cohort or like what's the structure around that? Um, so m- our experiments are being run uh, by by city. Um, so um, we're currently in a couple cities. Um, uh, Atlanta is sort of our our flagship. Um, and, um, and we're running these experiments, um, as sort of on a city by city basis. And, you know, Atlanta has some unique opportunities to run particular experiments that we're excited about, um, such as, you know, going out, uh, to Alpharetta and places that, um, are less accessible, uh, or have Mm -hmm. less access to kind of physical, you know, vocational training places. And we've gotten extraordinary response for some of those ideas. So Mm -hmm. we're experimenting a lot with, with those types of things. We're experimenting a lot with generally just just moving around and meeting people where they are rather than having them come to us. Um, and we're trying, you know, different uh, ways of developing the in-person component of student experiences, just kind of improve the rate at which they complete, imp- improve the rate at which um, maybe they refer other students. So there's a lot of kind of those types of experiments that we're excited about here in Atlanta. Sure. What, which other cities are you in? Uh, we're also in uh, Washington, D.C. and, uh, and L.A., um, but we have students from across the country. Um, but those right. are the cities where we're focused in on um, really developing out the in-person experience. Right. So if you see something working here in Atlanta, you might take it to D.C. Or if you see something in L.A., you might bring it here to Atlanta. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Have you seen um, anything that works in one city that doesn't work elsewhere? Um, I think one thing that we're finding is obviously um, cities vary in terms of um, – you know, uh, cost of living and, um, and job market. And, um, and I mean, I I think the structures of cities are different. There hasn't been anything yet that's been so clearly air works in one area, but doesn't work in another area, but it might be too soon to tell. Um, but there are massive differences obviously between, you know, Atlanta and LA, um, in terms of cost or, um, or, or, you know, the types of, 
uh, you know, the 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 you know, the, I think Atlanta is more of a te- has more more of a tech crowd and more of a tech background than even DC and, and LA does. Um, there's a lot of tech companies here, so I, I think there are these these differences in terms of the structure of the city. But you know, um, DC has has their Alpharetta, you know, and, and LA is obviously sprawling. So a lot of there are also commonalities as well. Yeah, that's interesting. So have you um, or Thinkful thought about doing this same type of model in other verticals, something that's not tech, for example? Um, yeah, I don't want to kind of maybe talk too much about uh, kind of what's on the horizon from that perspective. But, you know, obviously we we believe that we're, we're a vocational education company and we're a vocational education model more than we are, you know, focused on any particular vertical. Um, so uh, it's definitely something that... Um, that 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 we we think about, but um, as of now, we just launched a really awesome data science program. It's our first kind of new product, um, a new vertical, new category. Uh, we're really excited about it, and we're learning a lot from doing it. And our students are pretty excited about it as well. And so um, we're pretty focused on that for now. Yeah. So it sounds like what you're doing is is proving that this. Uh, I'll call it a, a hybrid kind of in-person online vocational model will work by using tech. And then you might end up at some point moving that into another vertical or another field of study. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's um, it's kind of the same process that people would use to approach uh, taking any product into an additional market is you make sure it works in one spot. And then once it works there, you can easily copy and paste, so so to speak, into other verticals or other markets. Yeah, I think that's right. Cool. So when it comes to the like the structure of the education itself, um, how are you testing that what you're doing is is effective and that you're teaching the right things? I mean, I assume you're talking to the companies that you're placing people, but mm-hmm. um, how do you make sure you're testing and um, getting people the education that they need? So um, I would go back here again to um, the value of having mentors who are, you know, have an average of kind of 10 years of experience in their field. So what's nice about that is that uh, our mentors, when they're not mentoring our students, are hiring managers, you know, are um, on interview loops. Um, so they have a really good intuition for what the bar is um, for students. And so um, when we go through our program, uh, when students go through our program, um, you know, one of the aspects of, of, you know, they have to, to graduate, they have to build uh, in web development four capstone projects, which become their portfolio. Uh, and each capstone is reviewed by a mentor um, and they have to all be approved by their mentor and the program manager to graduate. So um, the mentor is looking at those projects um, like they would look at, you know, anyone applying for their company. And they are the ones who are keeping the bar high. Um, uh, because I mean, they know what the bar is and, um, and they understand that the quality of those projects have to be extremely high. And so, so, so for, for, that's kind of how we think about the standards. Um, and, uh, and we make sure that not just the mentors are signing off on it, but also their program managers. Um, and, uh, and so that's basically what a student has to have to graduate at the end. That's like the deliverable is their four capstone projects. Right. So are they getting placed at the companies where their mentors work? Is that, does that happen or are there any guidelines around that? Yeah, it, it definitely, it definitely happens. Um, and, um, I think, you know, if, if you are a company, um, it's actually one really great way to, to evaluate, uh, and kind of snatch up talent, uh, before anyone else sees it, right. If you have, uh, yeah, mentors, exactly. if you have mentors, I mean, 
who I've just really impressed with 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 their student um, over you know six months they've worked with them they know how they think about coding better than anybody else does um, if they're really impressed I mean I have mentors come to me uh, asking about or ta talking about you know wanting to kind of you know get their student in front of you know their manager or, or their company because um, they just are really impressed with them and and also you know. There's also not just the sort of the quality of their code, but also, you know, are they a culture fit? Like mentors are in a great position to know, you know, if a student is, is going to be a culture fit. Um, so, so yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I think uh, that's one of the reasons we have a lot of support from employers and, and, ha and having employers kind of distribute uh, the opportunity to be a mentor at Thinkful to their companies because it's a way for them to build a pipeline um, to some um, really great talent and to kind of have uh, a right of first refusal almost um, for some of this talent. Yeah, and that's another component of the business model too, and part of I guess why it works is you've yep. got buy-in and, and incentives from from many different directions. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, so that's really smart. It's a smart way of structuring things. So you've got people incentivized. Um, I guess all three parties are incentivized to participate in different ways. And you're, it sounds like you're not just solving a problem for the students, but you're also solving a problem for the mentors at the same time. And then the business gets to capture some value for doing that along the way. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really cool. I like it. So, um, in terms of the like the product itself, the delivery of the platform for um, doing the training and doing the education, um, can you speak to maybe some of the process around that about how that product gets built and, and what those iterations look like? Sure. Um, so, our product is um, is is uh, in terms of the non mentor component of the product, so the platform itself. Um, or I, I should talk about sort of the, the, the experience of the student. Um, as you know, from, from the student's experience, um, they're doing basically three sets of things um, to learn, you know, whatever it is uh, they're learning, either data science or web development. Um, the first thing they're doing is they're learning uh, the concept. So they're going through kind of our curriculum um, online um, or on, on their dashboard, um, and uh, they're learning some, some, some concept. Um, and then they're practicing that concept um, with either drills or challenges or small projects. It just depends on what that concept is. Um, and then they're taking those that 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 thing. And at the end of a unit, they're building some capstone project, so a unique project that they get to define, um, scope out with their mentor, um, get approved by their mentor, um, and and to, and then go build it. Um, and then their mentor uh, assists them in in doing that. They'll be you know they'll meet with their mentor three times a week for an hour and. They'll review code. Uh, their mentor will pair program with them, um, and uh, and it will help kind of guide them through this process and make sure that they're putting together production level code, um, code that would would cut it, you know, at their at their companies. Um, and so, and so that's kind of how we think about uh, the process. So you can imagine that um, on on all of those kind of dimensions, on both the, on the curriculum, on the drills, and the challenges, and the small projects, and the capstones. Um, we're constantly pushing updates and changes and incorporating feedback uh, and improving that, uh, you know, on a weekly basis. And it's, I think being a tech company, it allows us to do that kind of thing, whereas kind of, you know, other types of education companies, that would be more challenging. Right. So using the, the digital platform, it enables you to change the way that students are actually going through the process a bit faster. So what kind of experiments have you done there and, and how has that platform changed over time? That platform, um, uh, I, I mean, we have entire entire sections of our curriculum that are written rewritten completely from scratch. I mean, we, for example, 
you know, uh, used to teach Angular um, and, uh, you know, saw more demand uh, in many of our markets for React.js. So we just wrote a whole new curriculum and we've had three complete rewrites of that curriculum in the last, I think, six months. Um, so, um, you know, if we see students struggling, if we get feedback from mentors who write notes saying, hey, students are struggling with this section or this area, um, we'll go back to that section and improve it. Um, because um, and mentors will give us feedback because we also have mentor training documents to make sure that they understand for a particular section how to go through it. Um, and so there are these really cool feedback loops with students, with mentors, um, to help make sure that we're continuing to improve the curriculum. And so we do it in big ways with complete rewrites and complete additions based on um, you know new technologies that we see are you know uh, having better job prospects. And we do it in in micro ways, um, you know, on a daily and weekly basis as we. Uh, find issues or we think adding a sentence here or there could help explain something better. Um, we do it all kind of on, in a constant way. Yeah, so it seems like you are able to iterate pretty quickly. If you see something that's not working, you can fix that and get it out and published into the real world pretty quickly. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. So what parting thoughts do you have or what kind of advice would you have for other people who are thinking about how to structure their business models in a way that can incentivize people or capture value from multiple sides? In general, um, I think it really helps to, when you're defining kind of the problem, um, it, 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 there's a lot of value in kind of questioning kind of the most basic assumptions that we just take for granted and we shouldn't. And I think what yeah, excites right. me about what Thinkful has done is that, you know, there's this very basic assumption if you're just identifying the problem that, you know, that these incentives are misaligned, you know, that like you just go to school, you pay, and then you like see if you get a job afterwards. Like that's just an assumption that people make and they don't even think about it for a second. It's just like a pretty massive problem that like that ought to be solved. Um, and, and, and I think that um, it, it takes time. It takes work to try to observe the world as a complete idiot and, 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 and just <laughs> ask why to these things that, um, that just exist. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm not the guy who did that uh, in this case, but I'm really proud uh, of, of my company for, 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 for having that approach to things. And, um, and so, um, I think that that's one of the things that I've learned, um, as part of this process is that, um, to t it takes work to kind of just, um, go through go through the world and 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 your life and and try to question some of the most basic things and 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 try to find problems that way that um, if solved could have a pretty massive impact and I think in the case of Thinkful um, that's what that's what we're doing and and I think that uh, it's it's an approach that hopefully will serve us well. Yes, yeah, so it sounds like if you um, look at some of the things that maybe we take for granted and think about why that exists and how it might be better, there's a good chance you'll find a business opportunity there. Yeah, I, 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 I believe, I hope that's true. You know, I think that it's, 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 it's maybe more idealistic, but I think that, um, uh, you know, not a lot of people, um, can do that. It takes work. It's not easy. And I think that like, you have yeah, to constantly, right. you have to constantly kind of, um, force yourself to, to, to be unhappy <laughs> with the way things are. Um, you know, to, 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 to find some of those things sometimes. So I think it's human nature to just adapt, you know, to, to whatever changing conditions exist. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So that's a pretty powerful thing is, is, is instead of accepting everything as status quo, maybe take a look around and see where you might be able to uh, change something in a way that can have a, a positive impact for everyone involved. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love it. Great advice. So Jazz, if people want to get in touch with you or want to learn more about Thinkful, what should they do? Who should they reach out to? How do they get to uh, how do yeah. they get you on the line? Uh, they can uh, email me at uh, jas at thinkful.com. Uh, so jazz at thinkful, T-H-I-N-K-F-U-L.com. Jazz, I think it'd be cool to have you back on the show at some point and talk about uh, the way Thinkful's evolved and what you've learned along the way. Um, look forward to doing that. Um, thanks again for being on the show today. I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we look forward to next time. Absolutely. Thanks so much. That's it for today. Thanks for listening to Design Driven. We're glad you enjoy the show. Have comments, questions, or an idea that you'd like us to cover? Point your browser to designdriven.biz and click Contact Us on the top of your screen. We'd love to hear from you. Tell your friends and colleagues about the Design Driven Pod. Post on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or send them an email. And tell them to go to designdriven.biz or wherever they find their podcasts. Until next time, remember what Thomas Watson, founder of IBM, said, Good design is good business.